Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Our friend from the morning show, Kevin Inquiry, 7 until 10 a.m. weekday mornings. Jay Query joins us right now. You know, it's weird, right? People often think that we kind of get off, right? That we get this certain arousal, sports arousal-wise, out of, you know, being able to go off on the teams because we're jealous we're not playing and we're not living that lifestyle. We don't get paid at that level. That's complete BS because as I've tried to explain to everybody that takes that particular opinion is that we do better numbers-wise. We look better to our bosses number-wise when we're able to blow sunshine up everybody's butt. And the past two weeks, we've been completely unable to do it. And the culmination, Jake, of that was yesterday where the only thing you can look at as a positive is the division in which they play. That's it. I agree. Here's the thing. I I thought about this a lot yesterday, to, to your point. I remember, John, and I, and I touched on this this morning, and thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, you know, when I was, before I got into what we do for a living, I mean, I, I do what I do for a living, as I know you do as well, because I have a passion for the people in this city, the city itself, and obviously the sports teams here, because like you, I grew up in the area. And I recall, it was the Pacers, actually, but I recall when I was probably in early to mid-college during the pay, one of the Pacers' playoff runs, they had a flat performance in one of the games, and it irked me to no end. And I wanted so badly as a fan to be able to voice my displeasure and my frustration just from a cathartic standpoint. And so as a result of that, I have always felt that now that I have that microphone and that platform that that's not my microphone and my platform it's the microphone and platform of everybody in this city and a city with with which i hold very dear and so therefore i feel like it's my job to let fans who are angrily frustrated watching games and watching the disappointment of their team's flat performances to help vocalize for those people so that their opinions are are shared and are out there and are, you know, let go. And so you try not to take it, you know, you don't do it personally and I don't enjoy it per se, but I think there's a responsibility with it. And that is when the team that people give their time, their investment, their financial investment, their emotions, when people lend it to those things, to those teams and want a return on investment and they don't get it, I think it's our job to voice their frustration and then try to decipher why their return on investment was not met. And it's not hard when looking at yesterday, that team sucked. It was embarrassing. That was supposed to be the benchmark game that we were going to compare back to last year's wedding themselves. And every single aspect of that team and that franchise that we were told not to worry about, or that was going to be improved, um, that was the litmus test and they failed every one of them. And I know that it is. And listen, John, I, I respect Chris Ballard. I respect Frank Reich. I respect Jim Mersey. And those guys don't have easy jobs and they are people like we are, but at the same time, and I would tire if I were them, I would tire of people like us, whose job it is to critique their job performance, just as by human nature, 
you and I can get tired of people on Twitter and other places critiquing how we do our radio shows and telling us they would do it better and they know more about sports than we do. And I get it. That's, that is fair game and fair territory, and it comes with the job. Um, so you don't take it personally when deciphering what went wrong, but rather pointing out things that went wrong. And one of them, for me, to be honest, is it just – I think that Jim Irsay and Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, all three, as I mentioned this morning – all three have put themselves in position in different ways and different avenues of having stuff kind of thrown back at them when things don't go well. And that's exactly what happened over the weekend. So Jay Query, the morning show co-host on Kevin and Query, weekday mornings from 7 until 10 a.m. With us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. My feeling is this. If this team was not a part of the AFC South and – and I come by this by a pretty educated uh, opinion, I guess I would say on this, that uh, the head coach would be play, or coaching, in this case, for his gig with his home opener coming up this weekend. As it stands right now, you are in the AFC South, and it doesn't look like anybody at any time soon is going to get very far away from you. However, if this team starts 0-3-1, and one, whereas I view right now the likelihood of – Jim Irsay making a change at head coach for the first time during the season um, is around 20%. Uh, it escalates if they go 0-3-1 to all bets are off to me at that point. But, uh, again, they're very fortunate to, to be within the division they are, or I, I think the, um, you know, the possible ramifications would be much larger with this two-game start. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought Kevin made a really good point this morning, John, when we were talking about it, in that, you know, Tennessee, you would think, is probably not going to beat Buffalo tonight. So, therefore, you would have the division itself yeah. would have one win. Would have one win, and that came over the Colts. Now, the, the, the problem, if I'm the Colts, the thing that would frustrate me, do I think Jacksonville is going to be a playoff contender? I, I don't. But Jacksonville appears to be a team that is on the ascent. They have a bright young quarterback who's just 20, what, 22, 23 years old, who maybe, you know, if he can play the Colts every week, he becomes, you know, Peyton Manning. But maybe it's yesterday was the anomaly, but it appears as though maybe Trevor Lawrence is ready to turn a corner. They have obviously an aggressive defensive line that can get after people. And they have, they went out and they got some, some players to try to build around Trevor Lawrence and they have a really good coach who, as I heard you mention earlier, was five yards ahead the entire time. So I don't think that the Colts are ready to, to look at Jacksonville as, you know, the AFC South clubhouse leader here, but they are a divisional team that has given the Colts fifth and appears to be heading in the right direction. And that gives you some concern because, look, I, the Colts are in a tough spot here, in my opinion, because what are you going to do quarterback-wise? I mean, it, Matt Ryan needs time. We know that. I don't blame yesterday necessarily on Matt Ryan, but he had a couple of those picks that were very questionable, number one. And, you know, look, he's not he's not 28 years old, right? So you look at the other quarterbacks in the AFC and you think to yourself, look, the Colts put themselves in position where it was go time right now. The window was right now. And are they, by not going out and getting any receivers at all, by not going out, and, you know, as you had mentioned earlier, I, by rotating through left tackles and again, I mean, are you kidding me? You know, what are they doing here? And when is their window? Those are questions that I think are legitimate questions to be asked. And I do think that the time is now probably look, 
I know that Chris Ballard is well-respected around the league, and I know that there's been – and I think it's it, it became kind of a cheap narrative of just the whole, well, what has he done? But the one thing he has done in the last year was ignore all of the noise and question marks and almost kind of arrogantly dismiss those that would question the areas that he decided not to address. But those are the areas that killed him yesterday. And I'm sorry, you got to answer to that, period. Jay Quarry's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I um, I, I guess I, I come from this standpoint, right? Um, you know, people say, well, it's early in the season. Uh, people say that they're within the AFC South and they still have a chance. Why are you guys going off? Here's why. That team, and I mean everybody on that team. I'll give Grover Stewart a pass. I'll even give Jonathan Taylor a pass because that guy has zero place to run. I will say this about Matt Ryan. I don't think we really truly know everything yet because the 37-year-old man is running for his life most of the time. But we do know this, that he has looked so far equally a bad decision maker as Wentz did a year ago. I think we can at least under duress uh, come to that particular conclusion. But everything else in mind here, Jake, this team should not play anywhere near that lowly, ridiculous level in which they did yesterday. And that's how we hold them accountable. And that's why we look for a little bit more. That's why I wanted more from the players about being pissed going into last week about how Jacksonville did them, how they were clowned, how they were joked, how they were made fun of, how they were bounced from the postseason, how it ended hard knocks. And, you know, Jim Irsay, you know, ended up leaving a lot of that music stuff on the cutting room floor of HBO because you didn't get another episode. I mean, all that in mind, you know, an off-season of being able to be motivated by being pissed about the way that they went out last year. And the frightening portion of it is this is what you get. This is what you get going into a week where you had Shaquille Leonard who didn't play where he said, you know, everybody else makes this, you know, Jacksonville and a big game. But, you know, paraphrasing again, it was, you know, kind of, the, you know, just another game. Bull crap. It wasn't just another game. And I don't know what it's going to take for some of these guys to realize it, but this is the realization. This team should never, ever play, should never, ever present a product that looked as bad and as half-assed as that effort did yesterday. Totally agree. Let, let me offer two things here. I've mentioned this to you before. When I was in the eighth grade, I lived next door to a guy named Don Bell that was a diehard Purdue fan. I was a diehard IU fan. And I asked him, I said, man, have you been reading about all the work Steve Alford's doing, getting ready for the NBA draft? He's shooting 150 free throws a day. And Don Bell said, he's a 92% free throw shooter. He ought to be working on his ball handling and his defense if he wants to make it in the NBA. And I've never forgotten that because I'm not saying you don't work on your strengths but you've got to pay attention to your weaknesses. And in the Colts case, we were told in the offseason that after the Jacksonville loss that they had taken care of, you know, it's all chips in. We, we know where the weaknesses were, and that's not going to happen again because I promise you, Colts fans, come, please come back on board. Don't, don't jump ship. Be back at Lucas Oil Stadium. Be loud. Be proud. Go horse. And then Chris Ballard, what did he do? He spent the offseason working on his free throws as Steve Alford. He didn't, he didn't address the wide receiver position. He didn't address the tackle position. Hell, he didn't even address the kicker position. 
he he strengthened. He talked about depth, and he preached depth, and he provided de- and went out and got depth in areas that probably were their lone bright spots, and completely neglected, recklessly, some would say, neglected the areas that everybody in this town knew to be addressed. And any time that he was questioned about it, he was the smarter guy in the room. Fine, he's the general manager. He's earned that right. But when a you go out and crap the bed in the areas that everybody else had said you needed to repair. And then B, when you have Jim Mercer is a wonderful human being. There's no denying that. He is a kind-hearted, philanthropic, fun-loving individual who is living his best life. And I give him all credit in the world to that. And, you know, and he's been good to a lot of people. And I don't blame him or begrudge him for using his wealth to accumulate fun things that are of note to him. But what he has to understand is when you have a – and granted it was free – but when you have a concert and the stadium this city built for you with all of the things that you've spent your millions of dollars on over the last year and a half to put them on display for everybody to see, there are two ways to look at that. One is, man, this is so fun that this guy's sharing his wealth with things that everybody can enjoy. And that's what most people would see that as until you go out with a ton of cap space you penny pinch and you roll out a team that then goes out in that benchmark against Jacksonville and absolutely wets themselves again. And then people are going to say, where did my money go? Why am I spending all this money on season tickets, Colts gear, everything else? When instead of seeing results on a football field, I'm seeing guitars on a football field. And that's the position he put himself in. And that's what a lot of people are going to say today. Now, That'll all change if they go out and play well against Kansas City. We both know that. And the NFL stands for not for long, and that includes the emotion of the fans, and it's only week two. And things can certainly turn around, and the NFL probably says that it will because that's just the way the league works. But for right now, people are PO'd, and I understand why they're PO'd, because they feel like their investment was not met with the same emotional investment from the team. Well, and also, you know, they have been told – by everybody, and I, I'm not going to even suggest, you know, media stuff. They've been told by Jim, you know, they've been told by everybody to expect a level of play, and then when you not only don't get that level of play, but you give that complete crap level of play that you got yesterday, that's a difference maker. That is a difference maker altogether. I will respond to what you said, and it's interesting because um, I'll, I'll compare this to what we do. Like, you know, Chris Ballard surely doesn't want to hear me or you or anybody else, you know, talk about his team because this has been his craft over the years, um, and he knows better. I, I do understand that because anytime some radio consultant tries to tell me what I should be doing and what I should be doing this market, I want to tell them to get bent too because they don't know jack squat or what they're talking about, and I do. So I understand and respect that particular position. But, again, if you fail in that particular level in a situation Jake like that yesterday that wasn't just a loss that wasn't just a disappointment I mean the level in which they performed or even go back six and a half out of the eight quarters we have seen so far have been dismal unwatchable and that's not the product that anybody signed up and that sure as hell not the product that they've talked about people around here will end up seeing. And that's going to end up getting their coach fired. The offensive line is, to me, Jake, the most egregious of them all. 
the highest paid in the NFL to look like they did yesterday is ridiculous. And they're going to get their positional coach fired is what they're going to do. Because there's going to be, if it's not going to be the coach, I flat guarantee you if they play to this particular level again, it's going to be somebody. And you tell me other than Chris Strasser, unfortunately, in this case, who they might make an example of. Because that offensive line should not at all, with the way that it's paid, play at the level in which you give up five sacks and get absolutely housed by Jacksonville's defense yesterday. And here's the thing, John. For example, the offensive line coach, okay? If they decide they're going to scapegoat the offensive line coach, then the next thing becomes, well, who brought him in? And then the scapegoat works its way up, right? The water keeps rising. I mean, do I think that this thing is going to go south to the point where they clean house midway? And listen, I'm probably going to be wrong here. This time a year ago, I told you on the air that I I thought Carson Wentz could be the guy, and I was one of the longest holdouts on that. And, I mean, listen, I could not have been more wrong. No doubt about it, I was wrong. And maybe I'll be wrong in this one. I do think they'll write the ship here and find some steady water. But I could be wrong. And if they don't, man, it's Katie bar the door. And, and, and part of that is there are some guys that are going to have to answer to some things that put themselves in that position. They flat out put themselves in that position. And I, listen, Jim Ursay, other than sending out the tweet of him handing out footballs to fans, you know, there was no post game next to the jet commentary. The, I can't imagine. I mean, Jeff Saturday told Kevin and I this morning, he said, look, man, I would not want to be Chris or Frank and have to be called into that office. I can't imagine what the emotions are and the sentiments well, are. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, and that doesn't really matter because they, they, you know, they, they had it worse back in January. And the hell, they got off the plane and had to go to his office. So, yeah, yesterday yeah, would have I mean, been no comparison to that. I would be more pissed because I had to do that again if I'm Jim. But here's the thing about Jim, Jake. He wanted, he wanted this, this comfort. He wanted this stability. And the, the stability has, to me, really morphed into a comfort level where, you know, these guys, it's, it's like you know, Frank's attitude. I know you can't change, but the only thing he has proven so far at directing this team is that he's not it. You agree? I mean, where has he proven that he is it? I would love yeah. for him to prove that he is it. I would love for us to be wrong, Jake, about stuff. I mean, hell, the only thing I'm wrong about is about a defense I expected to be good and is equally bad so far through two games. That's the only thing. I would love to be wrong about the pass catchers and the offensive line and the left tackle and the kicker. Unfortunately, me, us, we've all been right. And here's the thing. Listen, I don't dispute that Chris Ballard is, is probably really good at discovering talent and draft. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't dispute that. But knowing talent and meshing talent are two totally different things. And I don't know, you know, is, is Chris Ballard just not finding the, the jigsaw pieces that fit with one another, or is he handing over all the jigsaw pieces and Frank Wright doesn't know how to put it together? Yeah, I, I don't know which that answer is. I really don't. But it does seem like their roster is okay. I mean, I think they have good players. But, man, I heard you mention earlier you were – you were absolutely spot on when you, you know, in Gakway. You know, it's like, okay, I mean, I mean Yannick and Gakway, like the ghost. There you go. Like, have we seen him? Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, I didn't even remember, was on the field yesterday until he got an offensive pass interference on a play where he wasn't even the target. That's impressive, really. Matt Pryor basically got a sack, and he got the sack because he had to basically 
go two for one because Quentin Nelson completely read the wrong block. I mean, it was a clown show all the way across the board yesterday, and it was embarrassing. It was disgraceful. And if I was a fan, look, fans that like that are thinking about selling their tickets or doing whatever or, or not going to the next game until they see better results, I get it. Look, man, we're in a time where people are spending good money to go see a football team play. And all you want is the semblance that the team cares as much as you do. As a fan, what you want, I think fans can live with losing games if they feel like the players care as much as the fans do. And this roster so far this year doesn't look like – don't give me this lip service after that. Well, we just got to play better. What do you mean you got to play? You only get to do this 17 times a year. How hard is it? Give some effort. Look like you're giving effort. Don't cancel practices on Friday. Don't dismiss it with an arrogant laugh and a maniacal giggle when media people ask you a legitimate question about an area of the football team that you refuse to address. And if you do refuse to address it, you better hope when your starting wide receiver and your and your rookie wide receiver are out that the depth that you as the only person on that island that you've been preaching about how good the wide receiver room is going to be, you better hope they do something better than an accumulative eight catches for 126 yards. So uh, a, friend, a friend of the show, Calvin from Kokomo, actually tweeted me, and I'm glad he did because I, I wanted to make sure that, that this particular opinion was voiced. You know, he went back to uh, Dave Guglielmo, the, the def- I should say the offensive line coach of, what, three years ago. And, you know, everybody suggests that you know, he was too harsh, too hardcore. Frank wanted to get his own guy. His own guy was brought in, and that's now Chris Strasser. Um, and while what he's saying – may be true. That wasn't my point. My point is, I don't care if Calvin in Kokomo, if Jake in Broad Ripple, if anybody in this Buffalo Wild Wings Speedway location is coaching up that group, you never, ever should look like that. And Jake, I swear to you, I wanted Shaquille Leonard to kind of go off a little bit and not just say, hey, it's just another game last week. And it may not do an ounce of good, whatever. But I so want to hear one of these players go freaking off in the media and say, all right, enough is enough. Because this does look more like just a a blip on the radar. This looks like more of an epidemic than it does a blip on the radar. From, you know, the game going back to last year. If you even want to go back to the Raiders game, that's fine. But certainly in Jacksonville in the first two, it may not matter. Maybe it's just for my entertainment, my enjoyment. But this whole lightweight, we got another week, we're going to get up off the mat, that is so Frank Reich. And I don't think this team right now needs that voice because clearly the way they play, it doesn't sound like they're responding much to that voice. Hey, you know what? They should take – here's the thing. John, I know you're willing to fall on this sword, and I am too. Take the – listen, maybe it'll take us, right? If they want to use, like, proving the media wrong and, and what what guys are saying on Twitter and on the radio to, to motivate them, have at. Hell, I'm, I'll, I'll be happy to be the guy that's wrong. For the sake of this time, I know what my parents, how much they love watching the Colts and what it means to them. I know what it means to people around here to see the Colts play well. So if it takes us bad-mouthing them and, and, and saying that they absolutely laid a goose egg and were an embarrassment, they were the most embarrassing performers in the NFL yesterday, period. And this is a league where the Washington Commanders, the, Cali- the, the Carolina Panthers, and the Detroit Lions play. And they were the most embarrassing franchise in the NFL yesterday. 
That's your so motivator Jake, right there, right? Yeah, I, I just I, I want to hear something different. I think we need to hear something different. Yeah, I, I really do. And you if, if you're not, you know, you're not going to change really up the close. leadership and the guidance. I, I just don't, you know, Frank, you know, Frank to me, while an incredibly nice human, uh, is not going to, to cultivate uh, that particular awareness to me publicly. Uh, maybe they are yelling at one another behind the scenes. I don't care. I want to see it. I want to see yeah, you know, that I want to see or hear in this case that they are as invested as all these fans out here right now because they haven't proven it on the football field. Look, I think it's great that they've got guys that are good in the community. I think it's great that they've got nice guys. That's all wonderful. You know what? Their job is to win football games. And when it comes down to it, people want people that win football games, right? Like, I can give you a long list of guys that had questionable stuff happen to them off the field. People didn't care here because they won football games. And yeah. that's, you know, that's the bottom line. And, and then yesterday, to have the audacity after the game to say that where we need to be is not very far off. You were 25 points off to the Jacksonville freaking Jaguars. Are you kidding me? That's close. Are you, are you kidding me? If you're 25 shy of Jacksonville, we're going to find out what you might be against Kansas City or what you, what you would be against the Chargers or what you would be against the Bills. 24 points and shut out with 126 yards out of your receiving core, and that's close? You're that close? Are you kidding me? I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I just – I agree with you. I want to see – I'd love to see a – hell, that's why we played the Jim Moore rant this morning because I thought, well, if anything else, the most appropriate rant that we can possibly come up with with anybody related to the Colts is one from Jim Mora talking about the Saints from 35 years ago. That's the best well, we can do because we're not going to get it out of West 56. Well, you know, we're close, and the guys are really working hard, and they're flying around making plays. And they, we got good character. Uh, okay, fine. Good character is great. That, that's great. I mean, I got good character too. You know what I mean? But like, I'm not, I'm not out there trying to win NFL games. People expect more. People need more. People deserve more because people in this town pay good money. They invest themselves emotionally and financially in that football team. It's the most publicly subsidized building in the United States of America. They play in. At the very least, they should expect to see guys that are going out there that are putting emotional investment and putting their own feelings into the game and their own to the same point that the fans are that's all people want yeah jake if they would have lost the game yesterday and been even a smidge competitive uh, i would be reacting with a, a different attitude a different tenor today but all we're doing is what we've been told by them to do and that is while you're invested in it hold them to a higher standard hold them yeah. to a higher bar that's exactly jake in closing here what we're doing my brother i appreciate that i know you guys did a fantastic job this morning keep up the great work and um i'm sure we'll probably talk on the way home uh in between about nine thousand phone calls i'm gonna end up getting yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah anyway i appreciate you brother all right later jake query the morning show kevin and query weekday mornings right here on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan seven until 10 a.m on the andy moore automotive group hotline Group Potline. He has been around here a long time and has seen some bad football. Uh, speaking of legendarily, that was some bad football yesterday down in Jacksonville again for the Colts. And Bob Kravitz joins us. Bob, I want to start right here. Now, I'm not thinking that Jim Irsay is going to break new ground and, you know, can the head coach during the season, anything like that. Now, we could go down that path e- even further. 
if they re- reach 03 and 1, you know, maybe that enters the mind. But I will tell you this. If this offensive line, Bob, if they like Chris Strasser, if they like being coached up by him, you may want to get your ass in gear sometime soon because that, that is where I think folks may end up looking with the highest-priced offensive line of the NFL. What say you? Well, somebody, somebody's got to pay, right? I mean, yes. uh, if you're going to keep Reich and you're going to keep Ballard and you're going to keep everybody else around, um, certainly uh, a guy like Chris Strasser, who I, I, I do, I've talked to once, but certainly he's a guy who would seem to be in trouble. But what, what bothers me about the offensive line play is it's not just Matt Pryor or Bernard Raymond, who uh, Raymond, I think, has played okay. But um, oh, let me just say, if you've got two left tackles, you've got no left tackles. It's just like quarterback. Yeah, you I agree. Two of them, you, you got none. But um, it, it, it's a mess. And, and the thing that's bothersome is Braden Smith isn't playing particularly well either. And I don't see greatness from Ryan Kelly or uh, even Quentin Nelson at this point. So uh, I just think it's been a top-to-bottom crap show uh to use your your lingo and uh i you know i mean that's where it all starts for this team i mean this is where you put all your not all your money but you know that's where they spent most of their money and it's not uh producing any dividends well again if if they like being coached up buying they may want to Get going here because he's the guy to me that's going to stick out like a sore thumb if somebody does have to fall on that proverbial sword moving forward here. Bob Kravitz on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, is Matt Ryan the Carson Wentz-esque bad decision maker that we have seen so far? Or is a lot of that on the offensive line? Do we even have much of an accurate gauge on Matt Ryan? Or is this dude just look washed? What do you think? Well, he, he looks washed right now, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I do that because he's been so good for so long. And I don't think, generally speaking, uh, quarterbacks fall off a cliff that quickly. I think in time he will reveal himself to be a really good professional quarterback who can do things with this team. Right now, I think the problem is your offensive line. I think the problem is the play calling. And as we said about, I think every day on your show in the preseason, at least an hour was dedicated to the question <laughs> what they're going to do about their tight ends and receivers. I mean, for God's sake, we don't know anything, but we knew they didn't have enough. But apparently Chris Ballard uh, didn't agree with that assessment. And he said that he was taking receipts on all the criticism. And uh, I, I think uh, – uh, He's got nothing to say right now. No, well, and his his core beliefs on where you foundationally, Bob, build a football team all got holes significantly poked in them yesterday. That's a problem for him. Well, you know, I mean, in today's NFL, uh, it's about the quarterback and it's about the wide receivers. We saw that. I mean, we've seen that for years. It's not a brand new uh, a brand new thing. Uh, just because uh, the Cincinnati Bengals got to the got to the Super Bowl last year, or you know the Rams won it, it, you know I I do not have a problem with drafting or paying 
an interior lineman. I do not. I think if you got a guy who's that good and he's a Hall of Famer, you do what you got to do to keep him. He's not playing like a Hall of Famer now, although he did he did grade out really well the first game. I don't know about the second game, um, but clearly they needed they needed and still need to go out and do something with their wide receiver core. Uh, who who might that be? OBJ, I have no idea, but right now, uh, I mean, I just feel like he's being uh, he, he, he's being hard-headed about the whole thing. He, he has been the whole the whole preseason. I thought it was obvious going into the season that you can't count on Paris Campbell and you can't count on a rookie uh, to be your number two and number three wide receiver. And then when you don't have those two guys. I mean, my goodness. I thought Ashton Doolin played pretty well, but that was about it. They have no depth. They have no depth when they're fully healthy. And when you take away Pierce and Pittman, you're in a world of hurt. So Bob Kravitz, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic. You've been around this team for so long, since the year 2000. Uh, You certainly know... Jim Irsay very well. I'm not going to ask you for any inside info, but obviously your opinion by me is greatly valued. I mentioned at the outset, I don't think a move is going to be made, but I thought a step in that direction happened yesterday. And if you go 0-3-1, maybe we break new ground as far as Jim Irsay coaching decision-making and season is concerned. Do you think that has the opportunity of taking place, knowing Jim Irsay as long as you've known him? Jim has never in his two in his in his time as the owner of the Colts, he has never fired a coach in the middle of the season. Yeah, his father did. His father did every right. fifteen minutes. Well, um, yeah, Frank Reich would have been fired nine times by Bob say by now. There's no question. Oh, so he would have been fired at halftime. <laughs> yeah. He would have been fired at halftime. But Jim does not believe in that. Look, this team is I mean, clearly, clearly there's something deeply wrong with this team. Um, That said, it would not surprise me, and I I don't want to sound like a cheerleader, but it would not surprise me, you know, if many weeks from now we're talking about a team that's back in the playoff hunt. I still think there's too damn much talent on this team, maybe not in every area, but generally speaking, to still be a contender in the AFC South. We'll see what uh, Tennessee does tonight, but it's entirely possible that, uh, you know, I thought there was a chance they could play themselves right out of the playoff hunt early on. But if uh, Tennessee loses, I think they got Buffalo tonight, um, you know, then they're, they're always, you know, they're, they're in a a world of hurt too. So I don't think there will be any uh, rush to move off of like, I think, you know, you just look at history. I mean, how many times have they started slow? How many times have they come back? I do think you have to look at the history there, and the history suggests that they're going to get themselves right. I just think this is too good of a team to go completely in the crapper. Yeah, I just, I think a year ago, I understand where you're coming from. You know, a year ago it was, you know, Seattle and the Rams. This year it's Houston and it's Jacksonville, and I, I just thought yeah. that was that was such a a warning signal to me yesterday. These guys, Bob, six and a half months ago, got clowned 
in the same place, knocked out of the postseason, laughed at, joked about, and had to eat that crap burger for six and a half months. And then you come out and you play, and that's the product that you give. I, I'm sorry. I know it's early in the season, and I get where you're coming from, and hopefully for all of our sake you're accurate. But this has looked more under Frank Reich here recently like an epidemic more than it is just a blip on the radar screen. Well, look, I, I mean, I agree with you there in the sense that this is four straight games with a lot on the line, and they've come out looking completely ill-prepared. And I think it's fair to ask the question, has Frank Reich lost this team? And right, right now this looks like a team that is not responding to him or the coaching staff. To have a team that had seven pro bowlers on it last year and to play the way they did at the end of last season, and then, as you said, they got clowned, and then they go out and, and, and it's even worse the second time around. You wonder about the pride. You, you, you really wonder about who they are uh, individually and collectively. And it, this looks like a team that, look, if, if he loses them completely and this is a horrible season, I think he's a goner. I really do. But I'm not ready to go there yet. These last four games, we'll find out if they were an anomaly uh, or if this is where they're going. But, again, I've seen too many one and four, one and five starts followed by nice runs to the edge of the playoffs or the playoffs. So I'm not ready to jump the gun just yet, but I think we are, uh, we're in dangerous territory. You think, um, what, what would um, change that particular opinion? Again, I hope that you're accurate because as I've mentioned to people, you get Nine hours of nothing but negativity. And you know this, Bob, that wears this market out pretty damn quick. There's no doubt. By the time I'm getting to the 5 o'clock hour, people are going, holy crap, here we go again. But what, um, what would take you to the brink? What would take you to that point uh, of reasoning that Frank has lost the team that a change might, sure, probably needs to be made after this Kansas City game, what will you have to see in the negative for that to happen? And obviously in the positive, if you come out there, play well, be competitive, win, lose close, maybe that changes your mind. But in the negative factor of this, you know, what would be your opinion where we would go down that path? If this dumpster fire continues to blaze, um, I think that, uh, you know, if, if they fail to make the playoffs, there's, their heads may, may very well roll. Um, and, and I can't argue against it. You can't, with this group, you can't miss the playoffs two years in a row. You know, look, I, look Frank, Frank has been a pretty damn good coach here, you know, with a different quarterback every single season. Um, but, you know, you know, you remember what Larry Bird used to say about basketball coaches, that after three, four years, yeah. you no longer hear their voice. And, and you wonder – if his approach, which is very Tony Dungy-esque, you know, kind of low, low key, uh, doesn't scream and yell, but you wonder if this team needs a uh, needs a kick in the in the posterior to get going. And I don't know what it's going to take. You would hope that there's enough pride internally that they would get it together. I think they have some players like that. I think it's important to get get uh, Shaquille Leonard back on the field. Obviously, getting the the wide receivers back on the field 
it's good there. That's going to, ha- that's going to help a lot, but you know, it's, the crazy thing is it would not surprise me because this is such a weird week to week league. It would not surprise me if they came out and played exceedingly well at home against Kansas city and maybe even beat them. I know that's nuts, but you know, one week, just does not bleed into the next, generally speaking, unless you're a really bad football team. Now, if they get run by Kansas City, then it's going to get hot around here. I mean, the, the seat is already warming up. So Bob Kravitz of The Athletic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Buffalo Wild Wings, Bud Light, Blue Monday. We're in Speedway off of Crawfordsville Road on this late afternoon. Um, you, you, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this start is, is something... I consider it this way, too. They've had basically six and a half out of eight quarters of football that have been unwatchable so far. And yeah, it makes you eight. wonder, with, with, with the whole mantra, with, with the outcry, so to speak, of what we heard in the offseason about how they're going to change everything up, changed up training camp to get off to a better start, uh, and to start out like this, it, it's, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous, to be honest with you. Yeah, Absolutely it, ridiculous. It, 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 it's it's hard to understand because again you've got you've got a lot of pro bowlers you've got uh, a veteran quarterback who clearly knows what he's doing who I think looks a little worse uh, right now because of the circumstances and what's around him uh, yeah it it makes no sense I mean you would think that there would be enough pride to go into Jacksonville after a really rough game in uh, Houston and and blow them out or at least beat them. They weren't even competitive. I mean, I'm thinking back, uh, you know, the last time I can remember such a non-competitive game, they lost 62 to seven uh, or something like that down in uh, New Orleans uh, during the two and four. I mean, that's the last time I can remember this, this organization being mad in that or this team being mad in that. And, you know, given, you know, given the circumstances of 2011, or what, what year was the uh, uh, 2011, went 2014, uh, but uh, given the circumstances and the fact they do have all this talent, presumably, this might even be worse because, you know, in 11, you were talking about Curtis Painter, God bless his soul. Well, I mean, I was I was at the, when was it, 19, December of 19, when they were in New Orleans, and that was... Uh... Pretty damn ugly in its own right, right there, Bob, to be honest yeah. with you. That was a Monday night down there. It was pretty ugly. Um, I, I, maybe not. Um, maybe you disagree on this, but does Nick Sirianni having successful seat tonight, now that I ask this question, he'll probably stink. His team will probably stink. But offensive coordinator, you know, and then leaving and being in Philly a year ago and going into year number two in Philly. It seems like, you know, with that whole changing of quarterbacks when he had Phillip Rivers here, things did go a lot more smoothly. And they, they did adapt to an older quarterback that was completely immobile, certainly more immobile than what you see in Matt Ryan right now. There have been any, uh, been any uh, what, do you, what do you think, any situations where you think that could be somewhat of a difference in all of what we're watching right now? Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure I understand the question. <laughs> Do you think that they miss Nick Sirianni and he's better with oh, guys like this than what we have seen with Marcus Brady and Frank Reich in that combination? Well, there's certainly uh, some curious things going on yesterday. Um, you know, like Naheem Hines, and Frank talked about this. I watched his press conference today 
Um, not getting him involved in the offense outside really of the first play of the game. I think it was the first play of the game. It was a nice, uh, nice uh, pass over the middle. Uh, and you thought, Oh, okay. They, they've discovered something, but he, he had, he was what 13 snaps, 15 snaps, something like that. It was, it, there's a lot of stuff that's really hard to understand. Um, primarily, primarily at left tackle where they've decided that two is better than one and, and the, the lack of use of Naheem Hines. Now, is that why they lost? No. I mean, they, they could have given Naheem Hines the ball 30 times and it would have made a difference. But uh, I find that curious that you got a game that you're, you're missing Pierce and you're missing Pittman. You would think that'd be a perfect time to get Naheem Hines involved. And they didn't, uh, virtually all game, you know, at the beginning a little bit, but that that's very curious to me. Yeah, well, the only time they actually moved the ball yesterday was when they were utilizing him, and then inexplicably Matt Ryan threw up that can of corn to like four different Jaguar guys out there. <laughs> so and yeah. that, ended, that ended all that, but yes, yeah, seemingly uh, he wasn't much, at least much, heard from again. I, I just, I kind of bring that up. And maybe that's nothing. Maybe that's not at all a part of this. But it does make you wonder because they adapted, you know, two years ago so well to Rivers and his game when he came in on the fly like that, you know, off that J- Jacoby Brissett season. And then the last two, um, we conveniently blame everything on, on Carson Wentz. The last two, including these first two weeks, have been incredibly bumpy often, more times than not, I think, offensively. Yeah, no, I mean, look, but you know, remember the first game with Phillip Rivers was down in Jacksonville. And they, yep. That was the year that Jacksonville went 1-15, and that one came against two, the Colts, in week yep. one. I think it was 27-20, and Phillip, Phillip played pretty well until it really mattered, and then at the end he threw a couple of picks, if, if memory serves. Um, uh, I, I think, you know, you know me. I hate to be positive. But uh, I, I, I really feel like they're going to turn this thing around enough to keep, to keep the Wolves at bay a little bit. Um, if they don't, though, uh, the, uh, the fangs will be bared because it's going to get really ugly around here not only for Frank, but I think for Chris as well. So I had a pro football focus guy, or as I also reference, uh, nerd, come on in the summertime and told me, because I was really excited, and this is one of the things, I haven't been wrong about wideout, left tackle, or place kicker, but I, you know, I was all on board with this new defense and Yannick Ngakwe coming in, and I've been completely wrong through two games about that and and the guy from football focus suggested during the summer kind of hurt my feelings a little bit that he thought Ngakwe was a good spot player when he produced that's well, the way I, he's kind of looked not even in spot so far he does not look like what I expected through two games at all no not not at all but you know what who has I mean what has Buckner even had a quarterback hurry I mean that's a guy that you you know, you use a first-round draft pick on. Uh, I, I, I'm, I really like that guy a lot. I think he's, he's, he's the real deal. But nobody has done anything. Um, the only guys who I thought played reasonably well on defense, I thought that um, Zaire Franklin was he, – he flashed. 
I thought EJ speed a couple of times, but I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't sit here and, and break down film. So, um, you know, you get a better answer probably from, from people in the organization, but watching the game, like anybody else, I didn't see anybody really flash on defense. And I thought that Doug Peterson coached circles around Gus Bradley. Uh, yeah, there's an interesting stat that Trevor Lawrence is only pressured. They only brought pressure three times in 30, 30, uh, 30 passes. That's, that's hard to imagine. I would think with a young quarterback who has not really proven anything yet in this league that you'd want to put pressure on him or at least give him the idea that you're bringing pressure. Um, right. They just let them do what they wanted. It was just – the short passing game was incredible. Um, they they never made him feel uncomfortable. And I don't care if you're a rookie, second year guy, whatever. Um, if you're comfortable, you're gonna you're gonna put up numbers. Bob Kravitz of the Athletic. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I can't remember a time when you sound a hell of a lot more optimistic than me. We're breaking <laughs> new ground ourselves here. <laughs> I, I might be getting old and less curmudgeonly. I don't know. I can't explain it. But again, John, I've seen this movie. I've I know. seen the Colts absolutely suck through the first three, four, five weeks and come back. I, I just think there's enough there that they're going to pull it together. Uh, whether that you know whether they're going to make the playoffs or do anything, I, I don't know. Uh, but I'm telling you. They're gonna they're gonna put out an effort against Kansas City because if they don't, um, you know we we may see Jim Irsay, uh if they get embarrassed, it's not beyond the the realm of possibility that something might get done like right away. Yeah, I agree with you on that too. And listen, your your point is made because the AFC South is a continued gift, and none of these of teams are going to run away from anybody. There's no doubt, and that's that's what's kind of sad about this entire thing and our conversation is if there's been one redeeming quality through the first two weeks of this NFL season for a Colts fan, that's it, and really the only yeah. thing. So, yeah, oh one and one doesn't sound so bad right now because you got to think <laughs> that Buffalo Buffalo's going to take care of uh, Tennessee. I wouldn't bet the game, but uh, and don't even know the line to be honest with you, but. Uh, you got to think that Buffalo will take care of business. And, look, Jacksonville and Houston have no staying power. So, look, they go 0-1-1, and Tennessee be 0-2. You're still right in the middle of things. So that is the gift that keeps on giving, as you said. There it is. Bob Kravitz of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll go ahead and slide you in for sure this time next Monday to see what our attitudes are. You know what? Just kind of gauge it in a week's time. How about that? Happy to do it, my friend. Anytime. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. 